continue our series called Next. We're asking this question as we begin 2013. What's the next thing for you in your own faith journey? Uh, today we're going to take a uh, step back. Um, Steve was so excited this morning. He came in and he said, he said Bill, be strong and courageous. And uh, if you've been reading Joshua, you know that's next. Um, but I pulled a little trick. We're not going to do that next this week. I want to um, jump into the Word of God this morning, and I want to remember a bit about this promise that was made to Joshua and the people of Israel. And here's what I'm going to try to do today, by the grace of God. We're going to ask God into this conversation, as we always do. No wisdom comes from man. We're going to invite him in, but we're going to ask him to help us understand what does it have to do with our life. Like wherever you are, if you're a student, if you're a parent, if, if you're anywhere, if you are from birth to death, and I think you all qualify right? Some of us just barely, right, this morning, but um, we're going to ask God to help us understand how this question about entering into the promised land would apply to our own lives. What does it mean to have an inheritance from God, right? And so we're going to, um, we're going to open the word in a moment, but before we do, I'm going to pray one more time. I'm going to ask uh, that God would instruct us through his word. We always do this when we enter into the word of God, and uh, we'll do that today together as well. So please pray with me. Father God, um, we acknowledge your presence here this morning. We acknowledge that you're always there, uh, even in the times we don't think that you are. And, and we pray, Father, that today, if no other time, we can set aside our own uh, thoughts and, and, and aspirations and ideals, and we could really listen to what your word would say to us. I pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the gospel proclaimed for us, and that you would transform us in this time, which is amazing to even ask that, and yet we know your spirit works in just that way through transformation. So we pray that you would help us understand your word. We believe you inspired it to be written by men. We, we want to understand it as those who know you more fully. And so give us that gift in this time, and then teach us to return to you, to turn our lives back to you, to conform to your word each day of our lives, and we'll give you praise and glory now and forever because you are worthy. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be looking at um, the uh, Genesis, the, the book of Genesis this morning. Genesis, the reason I picked this out was this is the first place that God actually starts talking about a promise for his people, right? And it's really interesting because this is long, long before the story of the Israelites being rescued from slavery. This is a God speaking to a person about what he is going to do amongst his people on the earth. It comes in the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis. I'm just going to read the first seven verses and then talk a bit about what this means, and then we're going to ask some questions. This is what the word says. After this, the word of the Lord, Yahweh, came to Abram, notice that, in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my house will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars if indeed you can ever count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, 
and the Lord credited to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. This is the first time that we hear that God is making a promise to his people about what he is going to do. And I just wanted to notice a few things. He begins with promising a person what he's going to do. I am God and I will do what I say I will do. I want you to see a few things in verse 1. The very first, and I hope that you believe this is true in your life, the very first promise that God makes when he talks to Abram is he says, I am your shield, right? Your protector. I'm your defense mechanism. I am protecting you. I am with you. But not only that, he doesn't just say, I'm going to guard you while you journey in earth. I'm going to keep you safe from all the stuff that's harmful. But he said, and we sang it this morning, I am your very great reward. He is the goal of our salvation. You see? And, and Abram, this is the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. And this is the very first person whom God's like making promises to. And you can say there were earlier promises, you know, all, all the way back to Adam and Eve and procreation and marriage and the gift of life and all those things. But here we see him saying, I am going to be with you, protecting you. And not only that, at the very end, I'm going to be the celebration for you. You will enjoy me forever. I love Abram's response here because he's so practical and he's like, well, that's great, but what have you done for me? And he makes this kind of accusation. There's going to be no one to inherit all that I have done. And then God uses his magnificent creation. He says, look at all that I've done. Your life will be more than that, Abram. You see, it's hard for us to understand what this promise meant to Israel this story would have been told when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. I talked last week about Joshua, how hard it must have been for him to understand the fulfillment of the promise of God. And we could say as readily, well, of course he knew God would fulfill his promises, but you know, Joshua was like us. I mean, they're just people. And there had to be those moments where they say, this isn't the plan, this isn't the blessing. God leads his people through each step of the way, and he keeps a promise to Abram. You remember the story of an heir, a son of his own, to inherit all that he has done. Not only that, but he says, I brought you out of this land, and I'm going to take you to the promised land. We talked about that last week, about the reality of um, God giving all the land where they walked to the Israelites after this long time in the desert. And so today, I'm gonna, we're going to ask three simple questions or talk about three general areas, right? It's kind of like the big three-thing overview. And by the way, I hope you'll just go with us because it's not going to be like normal stuff maybe around here, but we're just going to kind of blend these things together this morning. But the, the first thing, because I believe this is a very, a very personal God that we worship, like he moves his people, and his people are big. And Family Bible Church isn't the whole church. We say it all the time. There's a big church that God is saving throughout the world. And the big church is doing big things in big ways, right? And yet we're part 
of that experience. But the reality is this, much like the issue um, that we talked about with choosing life, this is about a heart at a time, a person at a time, a gospel heard and received at a time. And so this morning, as we get into the Word and we listen to this great promise of God, I wonder, what is God's promises for you? Like wherever you are setting today, and I know some of you are setting in your favorite spots, and maybe some of you have ventured out into new areas, and maybe some of you came here for the first time, and oh boy, right, are you in for it. But from where you sit today, what does it look like for God to say, I have planned great things for you? What would he have to show you like he did Abram and the stars in the sky to get you to understand how very much he loves you or how very great his gospel is for you? I wanted to share with you this morning some very explicit um, things that we do here at Family Bible Church, local church, Little C Church, to invite you to begin to walk intentionally with the Father Every week on the engagement sheets, we make those four little checkboxes at the bottom. They kind of become, they blend in. They're just kind of camouflaged in there, right? But the first is this, to choose to follow Jesus in your life. You, you know what I love about Jesus? Okay, we don't have that much time. But you know what I, I mean, because he's the most amazing thing ever. He, he, he is a person, is the most incredible human He's God. What's not to love? Here's what I want to tell you this morning. When he would walk up to you right where you are, and I'm talking to each one of you in this room today, he would say two words to you first. What are they? Follow me. Right? Follow me. It's so amazing if you read the gospel accounts of this new kingdom come on earth that Jesus came to proclaim, he invites each person to follow him and what? See. Watch. Every week we put that on those little cards. Begin following Jesus today. Sometimes in the church we turn it into make a decision to be saved, right? Choose Jesus so you'll be redeemed. But the truth is this. The gospel says that God chooses you. And you get to go on the journey with him. It's Jesus coming to you in your life and saying, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. It's the simplest invitation ever. And it doesn't mean that you understand everything. And I can tell you this, that if it required understanding everything before you started, none of us would have begun following Jesus, I don't think. Right? Read the Gospels. He says, follow me. And whenever he says, follow me, these men and women begin following Jesus in their lives. It's a very simple truth. You know what I, I really love about Jesus is he lets these men and women follow him around on earth, and yet they don't understand. Jesus is constantly reminding them what he's come to do, who he is, and how it's all different than they could have imagined. And birthed in these people, listened through their following of Jesus, is faith. They begin to believe. 
they begin to understand. It's over and over again in the scriptures. Abram, follow me. Abram does. The word says that it's counted to Abram as righteousness that he chose to follow Jesus, right? And yet he followed him, trusting him to provide, and he didn't see it coming. How will this be done? The invitation is to follow me. Well, that next check box that we put at Family Bible Church under the card, we don't talk about this a lot here at Family Bible Church, but it says, be baptized as a believer in Jesus. That's kind of the second step in a faith journey. And, you know, I mean, we're just trying to kind of get an idea. It's more about identifying what God is doing than saying this is how you must do it. But the truth is that at some point, and you'll remember the disciples, they were faithless almost to the end until they saw Jesus raised. And then, like Peter, they fell on their faces and they worshipped him. They said things like, you are the Christ. And they believed. They believed. Well, this becomes a marker in our faith journey, much like the beginning of following Jesus, those near glances when we, we almost sort of believe, we kind of begin to understand it, but we keep following him, there becomes a moment where we know him, we, we've been saved by him, nothing of our own doing, it's his grace to us. And in that moment, we're believers. It's a weird thing to put in there, be baptized as a believer in Jesus, Because it sounds so exclusive. Why can't we baptize non-believers? We can. You know, it's just water. It's just a thing. But we don't want to. Baptizing believers in Jesus is all about us proclaiming the gospel. I have started following this Jesus guy. And I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died to forgive all of my sins. And I believe that he will be my shield and my reward from now for eternity. And in the simple act, public proclamation, dying and being raised again, being completely immersed in the love and the mercy and the reality of God, and then coming up with new eyes and new ears. It's just water, but it's this marker in our life. I can tell you the reason that I'm passionate about baptism is because Jesus himself submitted to baptism. If you're following Jesus, you will see him get baptized in the Gospels. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, begins to beg the question, why not you? Why wouldn't I want that for myself? Why wouldn't I proclaim God's goodness? I told you the story before. I'm going to tell you one more time, maybe twice, you know, in my time here. But listen, that my aunt said, don't think. She was worried for me because I was this like, you know, converted person. And she's like, she's a faithful woman. She says, don't think that when you're baptized that the heavens will open and you'll hear a voice and God will say, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, right? And, and that didn't happen for me, okay? If you were there, 
few of you may have been there, uh, you would know that. The reality is this, though, that there were words spoken that day over me that changed me. That there was something in my life that day that, that aligned with God's eternal purpose for me. It becomes a spiritual milepost in our lives. And many of you may be here this morning. I'm asking you questions about what's next for your faith journey. Because many of you may have been here and you're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus and, and I've said these things and I've been in church a long time. But maybe you've never, you've never felt compelled to do this or maybe you've never understood why you should do this. It's just water. But the reality is that we get to participate in this life, death, and resurrection. We get to proclaim it to the world. We get to see that marker in our life and remember, like Israel in days of past, that this is the time that God moved on my behalf. It's a powerful thing. It's a beautiful witness. And it's a way to illustrate the gospel. Even the gospel, the word the gospel, you go, well, what do we mean? Family Bible, talk about God. We have this cross up here that we put up every Sunday. It kind of becomes part, like my stool of the, you know, what we do. But the reality is, and, you know, this thing is pretty big for a cross. The reality is that the gospel says that none are righteous. The gospel says that apart from God moving on your behalf and my behalf, there was nothing we could do to save ourselves. We talked last week about some folks who still think they can do enough to make God happy. The truth is the gospel says that we were lost. Just lost. But God sent his only son. He said, follow me. And then he died on the cross. The cross is more than a, a symbol. It's the reality of the sacrifice that God himself made on behalf of sinners. And Jesus died on it, and a lot of people died on the cross. And the disciples... Those guys and ladies who were following Jesus, they all just scattered after he died. But we know the rest of the story, just like with Israel. And we say, well, yeah, but you know what happens? Because three days later, right, Jesus is alive. But this becomes an identifying marker for those followers of Jesus. What's the next step for you? What do you need to see to believe? There's a great story told about Thomas. And Thomas says, I'll believe it when I see it. Have you prayed that prayer? Lord, if you're real, show me. I, I, need, I, don't, I have a hard time with this. Let me see. You know what the gospel says? God answers those kinds of prayers. Maybe you don't need the proof. Maybe you are just not willing to believe. 
The gospel says not only did Christ die, not only was he raised from the dead, not only does he offer that to you freely, but he says the moment you believe it, follow him, the moment you believe it in your life, he gives us his spirit living in us, through us, compelling us in this world that we live in. Everything changes with the gospel. Nothing is the same. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why we celebrate him above all other things. This is why we worship him and him alone. This is why we make a big deal about it. This is why we get easily offended when people make fun of him. He's God incarnate. Our only way to true life. And maybe you've not believed that yet. But you can. It's just an offer. Maybe today is the day you believe for the first time. There's hardly anything more exciting to me than knowing that that's a possibility. If there's nothing else that compels you to live a life of forgiveness, a life of proclaiming love, it should be the fact that God saves people and that we get to invite them on the journey of salvation. Paul says this way, God saved me and God will save me. It's the gospel in action. Some of you um, may know if you've been around Family Bible Church for a while about baptism, that we don't baptize babies here, right? It's not only because they might not survive well, if you're, you know, I mean, it's risky behavior. You might, we might go to jail for putting babies in water like that, holding them under until they're cleansed. Who threatened that, by the way? I've heard some people threaten that. I don't know. I think it was, it was um, Carson, <laughs> wasn't it? Just hold them down until it, it works. Uh, but, but you know why we don't? It's not because babies can't breathe underwater, right? That's not why. Um, it's because it's about this proclamation. So what do we do? And maybe this is where you're at in your faith journey. We bring children before God and we say, these are your children. And we invite him to move us as parents to be excellent. To teach us to raise them up, to honor and worship God. And this is a, a difficult thing to do. There's no guarantees. But this is what we do. We dedicate children. And maybe that's where you're at in your faith journey. Maybe you say, well, I've got these children and I really need help. You can do that. Invite the community of faith to join in. The scriptural root comes in Deuteronomy, and we say it every time we do dedications, but I want you to understand why we're doing it. We're doing it with the hope, like Abram, that somehow, by the grace of God, he will move in the life of this child and so convert his mind toward himself that he would be wholly redeemed. We say those words, much like he is doing with us. It becomes a generational promise. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Help me raise up the next generation. We're depending on you to save them. The truth is that we don't often do that in our lives. We think all is lost. We forget the gospel. And so at Family Bible Church, we dedicate. Maybe that's where you're at. I don't know. What's next for you and your family? 
Have you made a decision as a household to follow God? The, the other thing that we do here is we offer opportunities to participate. Now, here's the thing. Participation is completely optional, right? I mean, you make a decision. You can do it or not do it. We, can't, we don't make you go places. We don't drag you places you don't want to be. We just don't do that, right? But we continually offer opportunities for you to journey with us, to, to come to the table, to be part of what God is doing in and around Family Bible Church. And what we want to do ultimately is not celebrate what's happening here. We want to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of all of his people. And so we invite you to join in the community. We ask you, will you participate? We do this through our study opportunities we have. We do this through missions we, we do. And I don't, by the way, just mean missions where we travel overseas. I mean, the LK apartment fires right here. That's just an opportunity to show some love. We invite you. We don't compel you. You can do what you want to do. We invite you to participate in our mission and ministry at Family Bible Church here every week. We invite you to go to the food pantry and serve. We invite you to go to his kids' camp in the summertime and minister to children who are affected by childhood cancer. We invite you to go to the relevant pregnancy option center and sit with a young man or young woman and teach them to be parents. It's an opportunity. And we trust that the Lord will move. We give you an opportunity to participate. This morning I have a question for you. Are you guys with me? All right, we're there. We're getting there, right? Does anyone want to volunteer this morning to help me out? Yeah, Carrie Adolph, all right. She can't do it by herself. Anybody want to Kim, thank you. Deborah. Who else? Gail? All right. Don't all the guys speak up at once. My goodness. You guys are like, just don't make eye contact. He'll go away. Anyone else want to help us out this morning? Cindy, thank you. That's what, five? Rick Scoggins, woo! One for the boys. Anyone else? Six, seven, Gilliman, eight, Greg Carl, thank you very much. Would you all please head back to the back? Head on back that way and someone will direct you. Crazy thing that Jesus did is he didn't compel anyone to do anything. He didn't force anybody to follow him. He just invited them. Who wants to go? You know what? Those people who are like, oh, yeah, Jonathan's in now. Yeah, yeah. I'll go, right? That's how it works. All the rest are going, what's going on? What happened this now? What did I miss? How's this going for you guys? You guys good? It's an invitation. Participation. Community of faith. It's not obligatory. You don't have to go. Right? See, what's so funny to me is Jesus came to people where they were. And he just said, what about you? You want to go with me? You want to hang out? Well, here's what our friends are going to do. Today is the third Sunday of the month. Those of you who've been here a while, you're like, oh, I know what this is, right? That's, I know it. That's what's going to happen. 
We're going to share communion together. It's time that Jesus gathered those around his table. And he'd break bread and talk about life. Thank God for everything. And if you read the ministry of Jesus, it wasn't all easy. But they would eat together. And they would celebrate what God is doing. Well, today I'm going to, when those folks come back in, they're going to pass around the elements that have been prepared. And you can decide. You want to be part of the community of faith or not? Right? You don't have to. He won't force you to. You probably shouldn't even be embarrassed if you just pass it up. But know this. The invitation stands. When we do communion at Family Bible Church, we don't do it as our table, it's the Lord's table. And He just gives it to us. He says, you can come and you can eat. And you can share in this meal. In this feast together. Come on in, guys. While they're passing that around, I want to talk to you about maybe another area of your life that you've not let God into yet. Maybe you've not invited them in. Many of you are here and you've chosen to marry someone, right? And maybe even you chose when you got married that you did it before God. But the question is, have you invited God into that relationship? Not in like the kind of cheesy way of like, yeah, God bless our marriage, but like real stuff, nitty gritty, you know? You let him in to your joys and your struggles. Maybe you're here today and you're a young person and you hope to be married someday and you wonder and you watch. Maybe you're dating. But I wonder, have you invited God into the, the process of finding a husband or a wife? Maybe you're here today and you've chosen to be with someone. And you're totally committed. But you haven't decided to get married yet. Have you asked God what he would have for you? Would he have you to live together for a while and try it out? Would he have you make a commitment to marry the person and show love? And maybe you're here today and in your marriage hasn't gone well and you're hurting or it didn't go well. And the question is, have you invited God, thank you so much, into your pain? See, God cares about everything that's going on. And the tragedy is that for many of us, we kind of segregate God to certain areas and we go, well, I'll cover this and you cover that. But the truth is that he cares about every 
part of your life. I hope that no matter where you are, if you're single, maybe you're supposed to be single, you're not supposed to be married, but you feel funny about that. You know? Have you invited God into that decision? The funny thing is that the communion we celebrate is remembrance of the night before Jesus was to give his life. You'll remember I told you earlier that it was the night before those disciples who were so faithful were going to scatter and run and weep and proclaim that all is lost. And I wonder today, are you inviting God into all those areas of your life? Tell you again, this isn't magic. It's a wafer, some grape juice. But Jesus said every time that you get together in my name, every time you come to the table where you're celebrating my gift of life to you, remember me when you do it. The promise for you, the promise for your marriage, the promise for your future, the promise for your pain, the promise for your healing, the promise for eternity. That's a simple invitation. Do you want to participate? Yes or no? We praise God for the open table. We praise God for the invitation to come. And so today, giving thanks to God, which we will do We're going to receive this as a community of faith and remember him. Please pray with me if you would. Father, for uh, the table set before us that we do not deserve, for a Savior who would look us in the eye and say, I love you so much that I'm going to show you. We give you thanks. We thank you for the journey. We thank you for the joy. We thank you for the pain. We thank you for the promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. And today as we come to your table and we receive simple bread and simple juice, we remember again the promise that you have made for your community of faith. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us for all the ways that we failed you not just the things that we've done that you wouldn't have had us to do, but the things that we haven't done that you would love for us to do. We pray, Father, today at your table that you would continue to have mercy on us, your people, and that we would never forget and that we would always remember Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We pray this in his mighty name. Amen. If you like, you may receive uh, communion together this morning.